Hello and welcome. I'm Uri. And I'm Emu. And you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. Welcome, Emu. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Just to give a little background, this is Emmanuel Shalev. He's a good friend of mine, and he's going to be the guest co-host for this week. And I was thinking about it. I really think that of all people, other than myself and Rifki, you really are the most connected to this podcast. You are, we have a lot of background whether we're going to get into. You actually work with Rifki in a similar kind of field. That's true. And you really were our first fan and supporter. Fan or like major critic. Coach, maybe even. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, we really appreciated your, your input in those, in those early days. It was fun. Yeah. So, Emu, do you want to tell our listeners how, how we know each other? Sure. Uri and I go way back. We're, uh, we're both um, Maccabees brothers, I would say. Uh, Uri and I put together the first Candlelight video, although before that was one day, uh, which I had less involvement in. But uh, I, I guess I was the producer on Candlelight. Yeah, basically, Emu was a founding member of the Maccabees. And Candlelight, which was the Maccabees and my big breakthrough, uh, was really his brainchild, I think I would say. Mine and, and David Block, who uh, helped me write the lyrics. Yeah, I think you were, you were in a car and you were <laughs> listening to some Mike Tompkins, as one is wont to do when in cars. Exactly. Commuting, commuting to law school. And uh, the, this is the famous, uh, the famous time when I, I heard in my head, I, I flipped my hand. No, it was... I throw my hands up in the air sometimes became I flip my lockers in the air sometimes and then the lyrics wrote themselves from there. Yeah. But uh it was Uri's amazing vision that uh helped that come to life. Well, it was it was a really a team effort and then we went on from there to produce uh a whole bunch of other videos. I think we experimented and expanded with the scope and the type of imagery and themes we we were addressing. Oh yeah. That was crazy times. Uri's a really uh, perfectionist, uh, great visionary, but uh, an awesome partner to work with. Um, I also remember you and I were both in grad school at the time. Yes. Right? You're in medical school. I was right. in law school. Right. And we we were passionate enough to uh, to do this for real. Yeah. I, well, I want to I want to get to that part of the story um, in a minute. But I want I thought it would might be interesting um, because this is not really something that I talk about or really think about that often but in that whole uh Maccabee, um experience and chapter uh of our lives especially uh early on um do you is, does something stand out to you as like the most exciting moment or experience in that i remember um it was kind of like i like to listen to a lot of music and I was like, oh, it would be really cool if we could do the Jewish version of this. And then, like, one step led to the other. I wasn't thinking so much about, like, what it would all turn into and what it would be and, like, a moment where we would be at the White House or mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so one of the moments that sticks out for me is uh, it was that first week when, uh, you know, 20,000 views became 100,000 views, became, you know, 900,000 views and CNN, New York Times. And I was sitting on my bed just like laying laying back at the end of the day and like thinking I can't put any of this back in the box mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it, it's great it's a wonderful experience and it came with like a lot of insanity and calls and people asking and kind of to want it there are times you want it to go away right <laughs> and thinking like oh shoot so almost like it was one big blur of just so much happening 
at once. Yeah. And and that and and to put it in a good light, it was just like, oh my god, like how many doors just open, how many possibilities just happen. Mm-hmm. How many, you know, people are calling and you want them to just go away. Right. So it was just I think it was that moment in that first week where it's just so many TV interviews and and news stories and old rabbis coming out of the woodwork to congratulate you that I was like, I can't undo this. This is crazy. But then there was there was a lot after that. Um, Some really exciting and great stuff. Some there was some tension of of different sorts, which is all part of the, you know, part of the journey Um, behind the music. What what do you think your favorite video slash song was that we worked on together? I think that's really easy for me to answer. That's um, the Book of Good Life, mm-hmm. the Rosh Hashanah, the Rosh Hashanah song. video. Mm-hmm. Um, although that has a lot to do with the fact that um, when Candlelight came out, we had like really hundreds of people writing in saying crazy things like, you know, uh, I had never. I haven't worn tefillin in 20 years, but mm-hmm. because of this video inspired me, I'm going to wear tefillin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people who like haven't lit candles and they're going to light yeah. candles or just crazy inspiring. And I was like, really? From this video about flipping your latkes? Like, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, then the next the next video we have to write has to be much more spiritual. Geared like towards to... that. Oh, yeah. It's uh-huh. like, so, I mean, for the, the subsequent videos, there was always a bit of tension between me and some of the rest of the group is that I kind of wanted to be very overt in the, the spiritual themes, uh-huh. like, uh, like Hashem desires Yechuva, come back to him, everybody, <laughs> right? I thought I thought that we were going to, like, bring Mashiach, but uh, I needed to rein that in. Uh-huh. And so what about the Rosh Hashanah video was so special for you? I think that um, the Book of Good Life, the, the lyrics of the original version mm-hmm. are already pretty thoughtful. Yeah. Um, so kind of doing the, the Jewish spin, um, just sort of, like, uh, I think one of my favorite lines was replace the guilt with inspiration, mm-hmm. um, which is a powerful line for me to kind of give people the experience of Rosh Hashanah that isn't such a guilty one, but one where you're just being thoughtful about how you've spent your year and, and maybe kind of doing it a different way. And I think you really brought that to life beautifully in the visuals. Like it was all about regular, normal people who are not as thoughtful in their lives and and take the opportunity of Rosh Hashanah to kind of change that up somehow so there's mm-hmm. the, these four different storylines of people and and how they just you know they live a better life uh i love that i thought that was inspiring yeah that's cool i mean it happens to be a lot of people tell me that that's their favorite video really yeah you never you don't really know i don't get that I, I do specifically that one um it, for me my favorite part of that video was the shul Mm-hmm. scene like sort of like the climax at the mm-hmm. end for multiple reasons that was your i think to date at that point it was the hardest shot you've ever had to for pull sure off. because we, there were a lot of people there mm-hmm. um there was a lot of pressure on me uh Stressful. to sort of like direct and these like hundred whatever people who are all literally looking at me to tell them what to do uh that I actually might say the thing that will get the product that we want and totally. everyone will be happy. And that, that's, that's the crazy part, I think, also with, with you and our partnership in those, in those first videos is like you're a creative genius and you see it in your head, but you're also the, one of the nicest people I know and you don't like yelling at people, which is where I came in. That was my energy. I, I was happy to yell at people and be like, everybody! Shut up, <laughs> let her. Yeah, we definitely. I don't know about the first part of what you just said, but we. I think we definitely complemented each other very well, which was what uh, I think led to a lot of good, very great outcomes. Yeah, it was fun.
Yeah, so I, I mean, I think we could probably sit here all day and reminisce and talk about stories, and we do that every so often uh, on our own. But, but no, one, no one wants to hear that. Well, I mean, I would hope <laughs> that at least some people might want to hear that. But for now, um, kind of like moving on in the story, um, where did that take you um, in your life journey? Because uh, you, as you mentioned, we were both in graduate school at the time, uh, within a short amount of time, well, you finished law school, but then neither of us were pursuing right. the uh, career that that graduate right. school was intended for. Right. Um, so how did the Maccabee experience affect your life journey, your career path uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think it, it deeply, deeply affected mine. Um, so I was in law school during the whole Maccabees journey. Um, and as I mentioned, like that, the, the fact that hundreds of people were writing in um, and were impacted and, and you know by by music uh, by Jewish music and we got to meet those people we, we toured around the world mm-hmm. um, and people were just they, they people treated us sort of as ambassadors of Judaism mm-hmm. because we did a song about flipping latkes <laughs> which I thought was crazy um, so so having gone through that experience while I was in law school I just I just really fell out of love with with the idea of being a lawyer and was super passionate about this like new technology of internet video and its ability to inspire thousands and thousands of people. Um, and so I jumped into Aleph Beta, where I currently work. Mm, uh, tell us about what that is. <laughs> so at Aleph Beta, we create uh, online animated Torah videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and we care deeply about the medium and the message. So the Torah is supposed to be really inspiring, but... Uh, the medium, um, internet video, animated, beautifully presented, uh, we give just as much attention to. So I was super inspired by the power of of Torah video mm-hmm. uh, to to kind of change change the world. Uh, that's what I do for a living now. That's amazing. Yeah, and and you work with Rifki. I work with Rifki. <laughs> yeah, she's she didn't have the whole Maccabees uh, past, you right? Know? So you know she, <laughs> but she's still able to keep but up. But she's somehow. St- she's still able to keep up. Yeah, she still brings her her amazing producer talents to the table. I gotta say, I, I when I when I fantasized about being on Talking Talkless, I thought that Rifki was gonna be here, mm, I'm sorry. and that you were gonna be here. Oh, okay. But uh, but because Rifki isn't here, I do have to say. Thank you, Rifki, for thinking of me and letting me be on your podcast. <laughs> uh, all day, I text Uri and Rifki all the different things they should have done differently. <laughs> and now I'm here. And now you can tell me in person. And now I can tell them in person. Or you can just do it differently yourself. I think that that would be a great spinoff podcast. Emu Critiques. And we just like follow right. every episode. Or like Talking Talking Tachlis. Talking Talking Tachlis. <laughs> I love it. The director's cut. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So, so, and I don't begrudge this. Like, I think the the Maccabees currently their their motto is that anything anything you do while wearing a kippa right is already like a huge win. Right. And I buy that, but I want to do a lot more than that. Like beyond just wearing the kippa, what are you about? What do you stand for? Um, and and that's something that I really I was passionate to bring into the later lyrics mm-hmm. of the videos that I was doing. But certainly, I can do a lot more of that uh, at Aleph Beta, where you can actually focus on what are the values of Judaism? Why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. You know, why does an all-powerful God need to rest after he finishes creating a universe? Why do we keep kashras? So those things I'm really excited to, to focus on and use you know, the beautiful medium, internet video, gorgeous animation to deal with like deep stuff. 
I think that's very powerful, Emu. And um, kind of building off what you're saying, I know that you are a very obviously talented and, and intelligent person, but also like a very bold thinker. And I know for a while we had spoken about you had some ideas of like starting your own com- oh, I commune my own, I or settlement, religion. What, yeah, what, yeah. a religion. Oh, okay. Is that still <laughs> something on it? What, tell me about that. Um, yeah, sure. So, so not to freak people out who don't know me. Uh, now, I, I think that um, the Judaism that I grew up with is a really, it's, it's lovely, it's wonderful, but um, I think that there's something deeper in Judaism that we miss. There's something more spiritual that, uh, that, that a lot of us don't know about when we operate on the surface level of Judaism. So at least for me, um, there's a lot of focus on rules and obligations, like here are the mitzvahs you need to keep, and here are the lotases you don't have to keep, and here's the level of kashras you need to adhere to. Um, there wasn't a lot of focus when where I grew up on why we do what we do um, and the meaning behind it. Uh, so, so the Judaism that I want to start um, really focuses on the values, on the why we do what we do, mm-hmm. along with the, the rules, but a much deeper emphasis on the values. Hmm. Do you want an example? Sure. Okay, so, so I think like one of the major issues... Uh, confronting modern Orthodox Judaism is is davening, mm-hmm. right? I think like, uh, you know, the other day in the paper, there was this, I think it was, it was the Jewish Week, Jewish Press, Jewish Press, I think, that had this big advertisement, like, don't talk during davening. It's a big skula for Yeshuos. <laughs> and like Art Scroll is involved. And if you send a Kabbalah not to talk during davening, they're going to send you a free sitter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and that stuff to me is kind of funny because it's it's sort of like, the reason why there's a problem of talking during davening, I think, is because davening's boring. Hmm. Um, and because there's this huge emphasis on the ritual of davening rather than the meaning of davening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that you go to shul. It's important that you go to minyan three times a day. It's important that you chant all the words in right. the sitter rather than the emphasis on, did you talk to God today? Yeah. Um, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Do you need to be saying that stuff? Like... That stuff in the sitter is like, it's like scaffolding. It kind mm-hmm. of gives you an idea of what to say if you don't know what to say. But if you've got something to say, then then say it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this awesome quote uh, that I think from, I stole from a meme online of a dude in a canoe. And it said that uh, religion is a person in church thinking about going on a canoe. Mm-hmm. And spirituality is a person in a canoe thinking about God. I, I like that. <laughs> I love that because how much of a, how much of a, my time I should say do I actually spend in shul thinking about God? Right. I'm spacing out. Like shul is prime time, like thoughtful creative. It's time. hard. It's very hard. I don't think that me. I mean, that meme is obviously a little bit of a cynical take. That's not inherent to the issue. Meaning there are plenty of people who go to shul and feel connected and. Yeah, I haven't seen a thoughtful and complex <laughs> meme in a while, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. I think so. I mean, I want to hear more about the, the starting your own religion part and what that looks like. But I think the simple answer of why it is things are the way they are is it's just a lot easier. I mean, it's it's so hard, especially when you're dealing with education, to instill these type of you know theoretical abstract thoughts and emotions and feelings it's a lot easier to say here are the things that we have to say and the order that we have to say them in and what you have to do um i think but i also think that that's one of the um beautiful and unique things about judaism to me 
is, and in, in my mind, this sort of contrasts with Christianity. Christianity, in my perception and understanding of it, has the main focus on belief and thought. And Judaism, while belief and thought are integral to, the, to everything we have, it's really, there's a very strong focus on action. And there's even like this phrase, I'm probably saying it slightly wrong, but it's something like, um, yeah. which is basically like, if you want to get to a better spiritual place, you want to be a better Jew, or then the two options are to change your mindset and to get like in the right, you know, kavana, and then your actions will follow, or just start doing it. Like, you know, dress for the job that you want, sure. even if your mind isn't there yet, and then your thoughts and your heart will follow. And the Jewish way, from my, what I understand it, is the second thing, which is do just do the action. Like, meaning we can spend our whole lives, and as somebody, I think you can relate to this, somebody who, myself, can get very caught up in thoughts and abstract thing and head in the clouds kind of stuff, you can really spend your whole life up there without ever really coming to a definitive conclusion of the correct way to do everything in the meantime your life happens sure. and the action in judaism it's in, in as far as delineating from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep here's how to do it and the instruction book is sort of like amazing that even like psychologically that you that our sages and the torah and whatever like we're in tune with that that you just have to do it and live your life it's very existential and you do it and along the way think about what try to think about what you're doing and come and have your emotions follow the actions but the actions ha are happening whether you are ready for it or not totally totally um i think i think the the pushback i have on that is you know there's an i can i can we can uh, trade pitzgamim but you know the gemara <laughs> says rahman aliba bai that at the end of the day, God actually wants your heart, mm -hmm. um, and and I'm not I'm not putting down action. I think you you do need action, right? Essence needs to express itself in form, but uh, at the core needs to be the essence. And I think that we've gone a little too far, where we're only concerned with action and external, right? Like the way we measure Judaism is: are you Shomer Kashrus or are you Shomer Shabbos? Mm -hmm. um, because those are things very obvious that you can tell, right? Wa rather than saying like, oh, is that person Jewish? Does he have an active relationship with God? And does he care about social justice and taking care of the orphan and the widow? Right. Right. Like that's not how we measure. Because that's it's obviously much harder to measure that. And that's also the kind of thing that for some people can change from day to day in, in certain ways. What, what, how do you mean? Inter an individual person, I mean, for myself, my, my understanding of my place in the world and my my role in terms of towards other people and towards other Jews, other non-Jews, that's something that I think evolves and matures throughout one's life. Mm -hmm. And you're and I don't like being put in a box in terms of that. Like if someone wants to put me in a box and say I keep Shabbos and kosher, that's a box that I'm okay being in. But if, if somebody wants to put me in a philosophical box, mm -hmm. I am uncomfortable because I don't know if that's really what I am. It's something, and that, and Judaism, I think, celebrates that in different ways and in, in different groups, uh, and do that in different ways. But in terms of questioning everything mm -hmm. and re constantly reevaluating, but your day to day actions mm -hmm. to be a healthy person, I think, need to be somewhat consistent. So, so let me give you a personal spin instead of arguing in in the abstract mm -hmm. philosophy. This passion for me came out of wanting to be a better person mm -hmm. like the the very guilty yeshiva guy who like really believed that i was supposed to be using every single moment of my my day to learn torah 
uh, or to follow every single mitzvah. And, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't doing it. Um, and that made me kind of obsessed with motivation. Like, why mm-hmm. do we do what we do? Um, and in my own development, I started to leave behind negative motivation or rules and obligation and tried to be kind of really passionate to find positive motivation, um, the value, the, the, the meaning behind what we do. That really actually turned me on. It got me far more excited to like get chametz out of my house once yeah. I knew what chametz was right. or be really passionate to understand what Shavuos is about. All these, mm. these mitzvot that I think we don't always question, understand mm. why they, they are what they are, they really gave me the ability to actually do um, so that's what's worked for me, and mm-hmm. I, I'm very passionate to kind of share a vision of Judaism um, that is value-based, that's a bit more positive in the motivation, um, just as an option out there, right? Yeah. Like and, we, and that brings it back to Aleph Beta, correct, in the way you approach that endeavor. Totally. Uh, for me, what Aleph Beta is doing is it's going back to these laws and stories in the Torah itself um, and asking, asking those questions Right? Like, why does an all-powerful God need to rest on mm-hmm. Shabbos? And what does that mean? What is Shabbos for me? Why does he want me to keep it? Um, you know, why don't we eat milk and meat? All these rules that are that we assume necessarily don't have reasons, um, I think do. And one of the cool things we do at Aleph Beta is, is show you why, show you how. Um, if I were to summarize kind of Aleph Beta's main goal, I would do it this way. We'll see if this works. Uh, but Torah, what Torah means is guidebook. That's what mm-hmm. it actually means. Um, and for most people, they hear guidebook and their brains immediately translated as rule book. Mm. Um, and what Aleph Beta tries to do is show you how it's not a rule book. It's actually a guidebook. It, it can guide you and show you how to have a more meaningful relationship with the world around you, with your family, with, with friends, with God. Um, and it's cool. Check it out. Yeah. So I think the idea of a, of a positive motivation, um, something that really keeps you interested and gives you a framework for how you can be passionately Jewish at your workplace or with your family, something that's relationship-oriented or business-oriented, which only happens when you think about values, not ritual. Um, that's, that's really powerful. I think something that makes it difficult to kind of um, convince other people about a meaning and values-based Judaism, and that's frustrating for me sometimes, is it doesn't exist. Like there's no like, oh, are you modern Orthodox or are you value based? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and sometimes it's hard to debate without having a good alternative that mm-hmm. you can point to. I think just the fact that someone uh, would be struggling with this and thinking about it is already a very, very big step in the right direction. Meaning, cause I think part of the problem is when people just go through the motions without even thinking about what they're doing. And so nobody who's really thoughtful has all the answers anyway. Except for me. Right, obviously, of course. Um, but so I think just asking the questions is a big part of the answer. And I also love um, with a lot of the stuff that we didn't get into so much now, but people should really check out Aleph Beta and see a lot of the stuff that they do and talk about. It's about understanding, you know, like you were saying, why we do the things we do, going back to the source, going back to the original passages in the Torah and and really breaking things apart. And in a way, it's it's very postmodern. It's mm. deconstructing. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, you guys, I don't think are the first person. I think that's a very long tradition in Judaism totally. of really asking the difficult questions. I think it shows uh, a lot of confidence in the foundations of our religion and belief system and it's like we're not scared to ask questions and we're not scared to 
break things apart into their fundamental elements and see what's left. Um, that's, a, you know, and I think that's how you can really learn and grow. And I think some people perceive, whether Jews or other religions, like they have a perception from the outside of like, they know as a modern person that it's really a bunch of baloney. And so they're scared to really mm -hmm. delve into it because they think once they do, it'll all fall apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be able to say, no, actually, this is so rich and deep that we are, we do want to do that. And that's how we're going to be better and, uh, you know, improve as people and as Jews, um, I think is a very cool totally. thing. I, I love that you said that also just because, right, fear is a negative emotion and mm -hmm. confidence, its opposite is positive. But it, it takes it does take bravery to to look at something in the eye and say I this makes no sense right right why is this massacre massacre of Shem story mm -hmm. in the Torah like what's that doing there what am I supposed to take from that um, and sometimes the answer is we're not sure and yeah, that's okay right You're, I I actually don't have all the answers <laughs> um, but the cool thing is is I have a lot more answers today just by daring to ask those questions mm -hmm. than I did a few years ago and. Um, and it does it does make my my Judaism a lot stronger for it. Just just a quick example. I always hated Medrash. Like, what? Why is Medrash there? Like, mm -hmm. what? That, that stuff didn't happen, right? It's almost like God had a good thing going, having written the book, and now you just want to like add this extra stuff that He didn't mm -hmm. write. Fan it's, fiction. It's, it's like fan fiction. <laughs> um, but the more I questioned it, um, and obviously the credit I think goes to Rabbi David Foreman and his incredible methodology. The more I realized that the sages weren't doing that, I was just interpreting it on a very shallow surface level where I was like, oh, this is fan fiction. Mm -hmm. When they were really using allegory to heighten attention to things that are there in the text, mm -hmm. uh, they're using poetry. That's what Medrash is basically, it's like literary poetry designed to heighten these incredible themes that if you paid close attention to the text, you'd get. The sages never had any intention of someone ignoring the text and reading the medrash right um those two things work together on on the level of you know harmony and melody um so you got to play them together and that's cool i think that that it's fun that i can um i can come to that conclusion um having uh, approached it through doubt through questioning mm. um yeah Murray, when are you going to join my commune <laughs> Uh, well, if you build it, I will come. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, well, Imu, thanks so much. I, I really love hearing your perspective on things. And uh, I hope we can, uh, you know, continue this conversation off mic, on mic. The war went on and on and on Until the mighty Greeks were gone Yeah, I put my lockers in the air sometimes Saying, hey, spin the dreidel Thanks so much for listening to Talking Tachlis. Um, we still miss Rifki, but she'll be back soon. And we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes, find us on Facebook, join our conversation. Uh, you can join publicly by posting on the Facebook wall, or you can email us and we'll respond to you. Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Drive-In Productions for sponsoring this episode. What a studio. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. They definitely do. And thanks, as always, to Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are the official band of Talking Topless. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.